Welcome back to the Stronger by Science Fireside Chat series. I am, as always, your host, Greg Knuckles. I'm not joined today by my usual temporary guest co-host, Eric Trexler. Uh, if you listened to the end of our previous season, you might remember that there was an active and, uh, you know, relatively uh, contentious, relatively violent uh, union dispute going on between the Stronger by Science podcast union, uh, helmed by myself with with many other members, uh, against uh, management, helmed by uh, uh, Mr. Trexler, as it were. Um, So yeah, I mean, union dispute, things got nasty. Uh, He brought in the Pinkertons. Uh, He he tried to lock us out. The workers, in fact, uh, broke through the lockout after a pretty protracted standoff, honestly, a pretty protracted siege. Uh, we had to bring in battering rams, trebuchets, uh, you know, things got things got pretty nasty. Uh, but uh, as I mentioned, the union won, we broke through the lines. And in fact, a person who was absolutely integral to that stunning union victory uh, is on the podcast with us today. So I'm joined by my comrade in arms, in worker solidarity, and in marriage, uh, Lindsay Rubel. Lindsay, welcome to the podcast for the first time ever. Hi, thank you. I'm, I'm interested that you didn't use our shared last name. Uh, Lindsay, Lindsay Knuckles. Um, that is your last name. Uh, so yeah, welcome. Uh, how's, how's it going? How's your day? Oh, it's been okay. Uh, our dog recently had a bit of a health scare, spent the morning at the vet with him, spent about $400 for them to tell me that he's completely fine. And so he's sleeping off the stress of that, and I'm recording my first ever podcast. Well, we are just chuffed to bits to have you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so for the listeners, if this is your first time tuning into a Fireside Chat episode, uh, let me just re-explain what's going on here. This is primarily a fitness podcast, but Fireside Chats are a blessed time to have more kind of off-topic conversation, uh, answer questions from the audience about things that aren't directly related to fitness and nutrition. Uh, So that's what we're going to be doing here. Um, And just as an explainer about the podcast situation generally, um, so we, we are hopefully towards the back end of our season break. Uh, we haven't put out a new episode in about 12 weeks now. The, the last season wrapped up in January. Uh, during that time, we've been working through some kind of logistical stuff uh, on the back end behind the scenes that I, I'm not going to go into, but it's, it's taking up, honestly, a, a completely inordinate amount of time. Uh, and when we come back doing regularly scheduled episodes, we, we want to make sure that we have the time and headspace to deliver consistently good content and aren't just kind of slapping stuff together to, to put it out there. Um, all of which is to say we hope and expect to be back on a regular schedule uh, within the next, eh, I'd say maybe two to four weeks. Um, we would like to have an episode ready to go next week, maybe the week after, um, but yeah, the the stuff I alluded to. Don't want to go into details, but it's uh it's just kind of a question to see how long that stretches out. Um and so yeah, we we hope to be we hope to be back to regular episodes uh, on a on a consistent schedule within the next month. 
And uh, when that happens, you will be the first to know. So, Lindsay, you wanna you wanna get into the fireside chat questions? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Do, a... do, do you want to lead us off, or would you like me to? Yeah, I mean, our most upvoted question on Reddit: the people want to know, Greg, what are your thoughts on raccoons? Uh, I have I have many thoughts on raccoons. So this question was asked by Placid Vlad, uh, who. I would say probably two or three times per week sends me very cute uh, raccoon videos on Instagram, DMs them to me. Um, and I got to say, raccoons are tremendous creatures. They're so cute. Um, they, the, the, the way, the way they, they grab stuff, I think, is, is very adorable. And they, they, have, they have a type of mischievous greed to them. That reminds me of like a three-year-old where, you know, if, if they see something they want, they go after it and they're very transfixed by it, uh, but not in a way that that carries with it any malice. So of uh, of all of the creatures on this earth, r raccoons have to be in like the 95th percentile wow. or above uh, in terms of general animal quality. What, what do you think, Lens? I also really love raccoons. I... Have a lot of raccoons on my Instagram Discover, which I sh I say mine. I mean the Stronger by Science Instagram <laughs> account, which I use as my own browsing account, and it uh, kind of cycles through different animals. I've had a red panda stretch, which are we love those as well. Absolutely, raccoons. It's usually just dogs which are wonderful but it's interesting sometimes it'll it'll switch up and i'll just get all raccoon content for a while but they're very cute i love when they're very chubby yeah fat raccoons are are great they have you, have you seen the video of the one that puts some cotton candy in the water yes and then it's very sad when it dissolves he, he's so confused yeah he's so confused um you know what? If if you have that handy, uh, could you link that in the show notes for for the yeah, listeners? Yeah, I'll, I'll find that one. Yeah, sweet. Uh, and also, something you mentioned in that question uh, that you, in fact, have access to the Stronger by Science Instagram account uh, reminded me. I did a very poor job introducing you uh, thus far. That's okay. Within the lore of this podcast, uh, the I'm only, a mysterious person. The the only thing the audience knows is is that we're married. Mm -hmm. um, and that you you also take the side of, of the workers in union disputes. Of course. Um, but yeah, do, do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, you know, share as much or as little, as much or as, <laughs> as few uh, personal details as you want. But uh, what, what's, your, what's your relationship to Stronger by Science? Yeah, I mean, I am a co-founder of Stronger by Science alongside you. We've been doing this together since the beginning. Um, I was the one who told Greg to start a blog in college because he was talking to me about lifting constantly. And while I enjoyed those conversations, because that's when I started lifting as well, I was like, maybe you should find some other people who love to talk about this <laughs> with you because you want to talk about it 24-7. So yeah, gregknuckles.com was my idea. Yeah, Honestly. In, in a very real sense, like you are the reason that any of this exists. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and and beyond that, what is what is your role uh, in the business? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, 
whenever we started Stronger by Science, I just kind of tried to fill in all of the gaps that you weren't filling in. Of which there were many. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you could have learned them too. But so what it ended up being is like, I do a lot of the management of the website and have done most of the marketing for the business. Um, So just most of like the behind the scenes stuff, our goal was for you to be the content person and for me to kind of be the business and behind the scenes person. So I've done that now since the beginning and for the last seven years i've also worked with james clear doing similar stuff marketing and kind of like behind the scenes management stuff and i don't know that's about that's about it i guess yeah i i I think that's plenty and if uh if people want more information about you they can uh, they can not have it yeah they 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 can die mad (laughs) yeah i think that's the company line here um so yeah, let's uh, let's keep moving along with these questions. Um, Jordan Gibson on Facebook wants to know who's a better cook amongst the two of us, and I, I think he also requested that we have a lasagna cook-off if there is uh, any any disagreement about the answer to this question. There's no disagreement about the answer to this question. Greg is definitely the better cook. I can follow a recipe, but that's not exactly impressive. Like, that's, like, basic reading comprehension and following directions. And I'm proud to say I can do that. But in terms of, like, actually developing new recipes and, like, having a sense for what to do in the kitchen and what is going to taste good together, that's definitely Greg. I will say that you are definitely still an above-average cook. Thank you. Uh, I, I think you sometimes judge yourself too harshly in the kitchen department. I mean, in all departments, honestly. Uh, yes, that is that is true. But um, but yeah, I'm. I, I I think I think we both agree that I'm I'm the better cook <laughs> in the relationship, <laughs> which I'm very happy with. Like, I love to eat more than I love to cook, so this is working out great for me. You know, and honestly, on the flip side, I don't think this podcast is working out great for me so far. Uh, I, I forgot <laughs> to invite so you to introduce yourself. And the first question I selected was inviting you to say, oh, guess what? You're a better cook than I am. Uh, honestly, not not off to the best start, but I, I think we can turn it around. And, and p- so please bail me out here by selecting a new question so we can we can pivot as quickly as possible. OK, here's here's one where you can really shine. So Clarion works on Reddit asks us what our favorite things are about each other yeah um oh man so yeah i i can lead off um so i mean there there's a very long list um and it's it's hard to narrow it down but i'm happy to review that list later if you have it handy oh yeah yeah for sure i'll I'll send that over to you um but yeah i mean so we've been together since 2009, right? So that's yeah. like like going on 14 years. Yep. Um, so I think at this point, I don't know. I don't know if if these would necessarily be my favorite things about you, but the the things that I kind of like file as 
the most important things about you that I like, mm-hmm. which which have been crucial for maintaining a good relationship for this long. Um, one, I, I think we communicate really well. Uh, two, and like this, this is going to sound flippant, but I think it's absolutely critical. Uh, you're just a fun hang. Like I enjoy spending time with you, um, with really no upper time cap on that. Like there, (laughs) there, there, there are a lot of people I like hanging out with, but you know, more than four or five hours in a single clip. It's just like, eh, we're, we're not friends anymore. Uh, please. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to see you again for another like week or two. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we spend all day every day together and I, I legitimately enjoy that. Um, and I mean, it's just kind of like a, a, a kind of mushy thing. You, you make me feel good. Um, like it's, uh, it, it, it brings me joy to be around you. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel I almost feel like those were, those were kind of like pop song descriptions, like nothing specific, like very indistinct yeah. could, could apply to everyone. Um, well, we've been watching a lot of Love is Blind and this is how they describe each other on that show. So yeah, may, maybe it's been, we're, we're maybe brain that has been slowly rotting by reality TV. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that, uh, I, I think that for the long term success of a relationship, it is just very important to be able to talk well and enjoy spending time with the other person. So, uh, yeah, th- those would be my answers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason we decided to go into business together and like work from home. And people ask us all the time if we get tired of that or like if it's hard working with your partner. And it's never been an issue for us, which is awesome. Um, so I would say the same thing. I'm a very irritable person. <laughs> and uh, most of the time, I find it very interesting when I have spent like multiple days with somebody and I'm like, wow, I don't like hate this person now. Actually, I've had a really good time and they haven't annoyed me the entire time. Like everybody annoys me a little bit, but <laughs> if somebody doesn't annoy me the entire time, I'm like, okay. This is good. And uh, there's a very small list of people like that. And you are definitely at the top of it. But I think that's because, like, you are a very easygoing person. Um, You're easy to get along with. And you're very kind. You're the kindest person I know. You're very good to other people and, like, think of other people before yourself. All right, so I'm getting pretty uncomfortable. Well, now. So, so I just I've... had to be uncomfortable too. Yeah, but but what you need to understand is I, I'm the host, and so when I say it's time to move along, no, I, I'm just you can you can keep going. I'll uh, I, I I can just just keep just kind of shrinking. Keep, yeah, just, just feeling like there's just worms wriggling around my body, wishing I wishing I was. I mean, I, I don't want to make you feel like that because I do like you. Well. So can we move on? Oh, the last thing I'll say is just, <laughs> this is fine. The last thing I'll say is you're very funny. That was the thing that I originally like, uh, really enjoyed about being around you is you always make me laugh. Well, I, I certainly appreciate that. And, and the feeling's mutual. 
Um, <laughs> Great. You are you are also very funny. Yeah. I think. This has been so uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay. Um, so embarrassing. So yeah, yeah. We'll we'll make a note of that. We can never um, talk about our feelings again. Yeah. The, the next. Uh, so okay. W- within the lore of this podcast, we do we do share a name, which is difficult to get around. Yeah, but, but we well, can... uh, not according to you at the beginning of this podcast. Yeah, you I... forgot that we've been married for ten years, I, I think and that can... I have a different last name now. I think we can probably be married in real life, but like maybe cousins for the for the purpose that of is podcast not. <laughs> it can't be cousins. Um. Oh, okay. Just we, friends. We can, yeah, we we can we can workshop buddies. It. We can just be buddies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. Yeah, so so uh, switching gears, um, in, in your answer or in, uh, in in your kind of back and forth about about my answer, you mentioned we'd been watching Love Is Blind, yeah. which great segue into uh, a question we were asked by Promotion Worth twenty six oh five on Reddit and Katie Hunzinger on Facebook. What are what are some of our guilty pleasures? What are some of your guilty pleasures? Well, first of all, I don't believe in guilty pleasures. Like, unless you're doing something illegal, you shouldn't be guilty about it. You shouldn't feel guilty about it. Like, I, it's fine. I agree wholeheartedly. And so we've been really into reality TV recently. We've been, we're in our reality TV era. And that started with Love is Blind season three a couple, like six months ago or something. And since then... We've also watched, uh, what was that other Hulu dating show uh, about like back in the groove? Yeah, or yeah, something? yeah, yeah, yeah. About like older women try to get back in the groove by dating like twenty year old men. It was a terrible show. Yeah, it was it was trash. Like it it was so clearly and obviously scripted. Yes, and they weren't great actors. Um, but it it was still it was still fun schlock. Yeah, but Love Is Blind reigns supreme in terms of dating reality shows just because it is so earnest all the music choices that they have the way that they talk about each other it like they're just all taking it so seriously Mm -hmm. and it's it's just very fun to watch um so we've done that and then after we watched um the white lotus we were we were on our little mike white kick so then we watched mike white's season of survivor David versus Goliath. And that was the first time either of us had watched Survivor since it was popular when we were kids. Mm -hmm. And we had a really good time with that. And we also started watching another season of Survivor, Winners at War. But Mm -hmm. we didn't finish that one. We liked the David and Goliath one better. But if uh, people have recommendations for seasons of Survivor, we are taking those. It's very overwhelming trying to figure out which one to watch. Because there are 40 seasons at this point. Yes. And uh, then we watched The Amazing Race season with Mike White. And then we watched the new season of Which was also not good. No, The Amazing Race was not good. I don't... Also just like racist at some times. Yeah, very racist. I don't don't understand like... So the the thing for me is like even, even media that I don't personally like... I can generally still understand and like kind of get what other people like about it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm like uh, amazing race is huge. It's a cultural juggernaut. It's been on forever. A lot of people still watch it. Um, 
I, I, I just fully don't understand what people like about that show. It, it seems like it's too frenetic and there's too little focus on the individuals for you to like form the sort of connection with teams that you do with, with uh, contestants on, on Survivor, yeah. for instance. Um, and there's just like so much going on in each episode that you don't, like you, you always feel kind of unmoored. Like you don't have a great idea of where every team is. Right. If one of them takes a long time on a challenge, you don't really know what held them up. And it, it's just like a very capricious game as well. Uh, like in the season we watched, there were multiple instances of people making what should have been like objectively correct travel decisions. And then just like a flight randomly gets delayed or uh, like a, a train ride gets canceled or something. Yeah. And so th- then they just lose, yeah. Uh, which, yeah, yeah. I don't, you don't like stuff like that. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get uh, Amazing Race, but that's fine. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. But we just watched season four of Love is Blind and had a really good time with that. I feel like that's something that people wouldn't expect about you is that you you really love these dating reality shows. And one of my favorite moments of this last season, if if people watch this, they will know who Brett and Tiffany are. They were our favorite couple. And at one point, Greg remarked, if Brett and Tiffany don't make it, love is dead. Yes. I, I did say that, and I, I stand by that. Yes. Um, yeah, no, I, I like I like pure trash, honestly. Um, I, I I have, I think, a fairly, like, intellectually demanding job. Yeah. And generally, my brain is just toast by the end of a workday. And I don't want to, I don't want to spend my wind down time uh, engaging with media that, that makes me think about it even more. Yeah. Anybody um, who says they want to do that is lying to themselves. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's the case. Um, that's my hot take. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I, I want something that will facilitate my brain turning off. Yeah. And there, there are a few things better than reality TV for that purpose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess similarly, one of my other um, quote guilty pleasures is like celebrity gossip type media. Mm-hmm. So. I love this podcast, Who Weekly, that's just all about, like, D-list celebrities and just the wacky things that they do. Because these are the people who do the craziest, like, spawn con and are just out there trying to be famous and doing the most ridiculous things in that pursuit. And the podcast, Who Weekly, is just the best medium for mainlining that content. And uh, Hunter Harris's Hung Up newsletter is also very good. Nice. Uh, just just to give listeners a warning, if they if they check out Who Weekly, you you introduced me to it eh, maybe like a month or two ago. Yeah. Put on an episode while we were while we were in the car. Um, I think that it might be intimidating to new listeners. Yes, definitely. Like, like for I, I I probably so. Listeners of of this podcast think that it can be confusing <laughs> due to how many inside jokes there are. Uh-huh. My God, like we, I had to stop the episode probably every five minutes because they would make a reference to something that was clearly meant to be a joke. The other host would laugh, and I'd be, I'd just have to pause it and be like, "What the fuck's going on here?" And then you would explain like ten minutes of lore yeah. about where that reference came from, and I'd be like, "Oh, okay, that makes sense." 
Yeah, so I guess it, it takes some time to kind of get into it, but you know, it's a rewarding process. Yeah. You know, you you listen to 30 episodes and you start to get an idea of all of the jokes and then you feel like you're part of something bigger than yourself. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in in the 1400s we had we had the Universal Catholic Church and now we have uh D-list celebrity podcasts. Yes. And it's the same. Uh, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, people do just want to feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves. And they love to gossip. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, okay, there was another question here from Reddit uh, by by Games and Barbells uh, asking what our favorite non-fitness-related podcasts are. Mm-hmm. Um, you've already given one, and I suspect on your list of favorite podcasts, there probably aren't that many fitness podcasts showing up in the first place. Zero. Uh, are there any other podcasts that you like and would recommend? I think that we have a lot of overlap. Mm-hmm. Um, we both really like You're Wrong About mm-hmm. and Maintenance Phase and some political podcasts that I'm not sure if I should mention the name. <laughs> I mean, why not? Who cares? Uh, true and on. Yeah, absolutely. Dude, when when they're on, that is one of the funniest it's podcasts. It's hilarious, yeah. Um also, I I told I told you this, but uh I th- there was so for for the listeners, there's I don't know, I don't know if something similar exists in other countries, but in the US, there's this like media bias uh chart that goes around for like news organizations where uh, like the top to bottom axis is like more credible to less credible. And then the left right axis is like more left leaning, like political content or more, yeah. more right leaning. Um, so the, the people that put out like the original media bias chart uh, also made one for podcasts. Oh my God. And um, like th- there, there weren't that many like objectionable things in it, but uh, they did put Truanon on there and they had it, on the left right axis um like near the line that said like leans left Mm -hmm. and like (laughs) brace is a maoist like i i don't think that's like eh, center left um but yeah (laughs) very funny podcast one that you don't necessarily want to take everything they say to heart yeah but entertaining and they make some good points you know Absolutely. Uh, so I have answered a, I, I think this exact question on the podcast before. And I think when I answered it previously, I said my favorite non-fitness related podcast was Knowledge Fight, which oh, yeah. is uh, a a podcast where people are, are kind of like breaking down what Alex Jones is is up to and getting into these days. A deranged concept for a podcast. It's, it, it is. Uh it's still very entertaining. It has lost its top spot for me, though. Mm-hmm. Um, not because the hosts, uh, Dan and Jordan, aren't still doing great work. They are. Um, but Alex Jones himself has just gotten less interesting over time. Like, he's he's been stuck on the same handful of narratives. Uh, it's still, like, uh, just, just anti-vax stuff. Um, the election was stolen from Trump. Like, he's still on that, like, three years later. Um, and honestly, it just seems like his heart isn't in it anymore because he's, 
Probably good. I, I, no, I mean, it's a good thing for society. Uh, but yeah, he's currently in the process of getting just absolutely destroyed in yeah. lawsuits. And so I think his his uh, attention is, is divided. Um, so yeah, like I, I think like Alex Jones has gotten objectively less interesting in the last couple of years. So... You know, you you can only polish a turd, but so much. And I think I think Dan and Jordan are doing a very admirable job of that still. But just just since the the raw materials they're working with have degraded, I think it has lost uh, it, its top spot. Uh, and so I think probably my favorite non fitness related podcast these days is Five to Four, which is a Supreme Court podcast. Um, it is also it, it's. It's way more entertaining than you would think it would be. Like you, you would think a legal podcast would just be incredibly boring, mm-hmm. um, but it's 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 very engaging and very funny. Would would strongly recommend. Um, and the person asking this question, they spelled favorite with a U, uh, so I suspect they're not American. So uh, obviously, U.S. Supreme Court stuff that's mostly relevant to an American audience. Um, so for something that does have more of an international appeal, I also really like uh, QAnon Anonymous, yeah. which is, if, if be- between that and TrueAnon, and, we sound and, like conspiracy and Knowledge Fight, yeah. it, it should be clear that I very much enjoy conspiracy theory content. Um, I myself don't buy much, if any, of it, yeah. but I think just that style of content is... Is is very interesting. I think it's um I, I think it's it's neat to understand the sorts of things people believe that are kind of on the fringes, right? And uh, understanding like what leads them to find those things that seem ridiculous on their face, like what what leads them to find it plausible instead of ridiculous. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Those those would be my recommendations. Yeah, and you're a great encyclopedia for conspiracy theories at this point now too. You always know about the hot conspiracy theories before I do. You're extremely online. Uh, in, in this one particular niche, absolutely. A subject matter expert. Yes. Um, all right. Uh, do you do you have another question you want to to toss out here? Ooh. Um. What is your most underwhelming talent? This is from Pseudo Smurf on Reddit. Yeah, my most underwhelming talent, I would say, is that I am extremely good at slicing bread. Yeah, that's not underwhelming at all. I'm terrible at slicing bread, and the fact that you are good at it saves my ass. Very fast, very straight cuts, very uniform thickness. Yes. Um, when people say best things in sliced bread, I'm like, what are you talking about? Slicing bread takes 10 seconds and you can do it just as well as a machine. So, no, most people can't. Uh, They're special. They, they, they it could, is a talent. They, they could with practice, but I, I would say, I would say I'm, I'm very comfortably above average at slicing bread and, <laughs> yes. uh, that really doesn't affect mine or anyone else's quality of life to any any meaningful extent so i think that qualifies it for being an underwhelming talent i think it impacts my quality of life well i i certainly mostly because when i slice the bread 
you bully me relentlessly about how poorly I do. Yeah, you know what? Maybe I'm not even that good at slicing bread, and I'm just comparing myself to you. And I'm like, dude, I'm I'm pretty good. No, with I this. think you. I think you are really good, but I'm also, <laughs> I am very bad at slicing bread. You're really not that bad. I just, I, I just give you I a am, hard time. I'm very bad. All right, what is what is your most underwhelming talent? Um, when I was considering this question. It has to be something like organizational, probably. Mm-hmm. Like my brain is broken in that all it can do is is make lists and remind me of things that I might be forgetting about. So I'm very good at making a packing list for like a trip. And I'll start making that list like three weeks before a big trip so that I can have it exactly perfect by the time I'm actually putting stuff in my suitcase. I've thought through everything I'm going to need. I've been really strategic about all of the things I'm going to bring, any circumstance we might run into in our travels. And I'm just very prepared. And I, I have my list and I'm not going to forget anything. You are, see, much like the bread slicing thing, I don't think that's an underwhelming talent because I do not have that at all. Um, I mean, you know how I pack. For the audience, I pack. Uh, That's one of the things I do in the process of walking out the door for a trip. Right. Which is just grab a handful of shirts from the top of, I was going to say the top of my dresser. I don't keep my clothes in a dresser. Uh, I keep them in a laundry basket because I I wear a very small selection of shirts. Mm -hmm. I have three identical pairs of shorts. I have several identical pairs of socks and underwear and and that's so the shirt is the only thing that changes day to day and uh yeah my my packing for clothes is just grab a handful of each um you know grab my uh my like contact case and solution and put them in there loose yeah yeah put them you in just there put loose. it in there loose yeah who cares it's fine no smaller bags within a larger bag no because the the material of the smaller bag would just take up more space in the larger bag yeah I but think. then you just got shit rattling around in there yeah but it's fine it's it, it always makes it to where it needs to needs to go anyway it, it is chaotic it, it is chaotic that's uh, i i enjoy the chaos fair enough anyway anyway so so dear listener you you get the point i just kind of grab all of my shit last minute throw it in um to the point where like going on like a beach trip i've forgotten to like pack swim swim trunks before because like those are in my closet and like i don't go in my closet as part of the packing process um going overseas one time i just like didn't even think to grab uh like a, a plug converter um thankfully you remembered and grabbed all of them yeah i basically Um, have to be good at packing lists so i can remember everything you're gonna forget yes so yeah i mean you you think your packing is underwhelming i think my bread slicing is underwhelming but that's that's why we work so well yeah we we do we do both have uh talents that that cover for the other one yes all right uh here here's a question specifically for you um an opportunity to brag on yourself and flex a little bit i will certainly not do that uh well you have to that's that's what we're doing uh stonks 1980 (laughs) asks how long did Lindsay work with james clear before his book went ape shit greg what percent of the book's success is directly related to your wife's awesomeness um so actually it doesn't sound like i have to brag it sounds like you have to brag 
for me because my question is extremely straightforward. Shit. I, um, I played myself. I started working with James in 2016, summer of 2016, and Atomic Habits came out fall of 2018. So a little over two years. Um, and most of those two years were spent preparing for that book to launch. And then, I mean, most of my job since then has been related to that book and trying to continue its success. But, I mean, it wasn't, I don't know, I guess it didn't go apeshit right away when it came out. Anything like that is going to take a while to build. And um, like any product that kind of goes viral like that, you need just really good word of mouth and a really great product. And I was happy to be able to like help get it, get it into as many hands as possible. But, you know, it was the content of the book being so amazing that made people tell their friends and family about it and or like got it to sell so many copies. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that makes sense. The, the one thing that I would add is that uh, Atomic Habits has sold over 10 million copies now, right? Yeah. How many books does James have that you weren't involved in selling that also sold over 10 million books? He doesn't have any other books. The answer is none. <laughs> okay. Good. So uh, yeah, I, I can just edit this out. I'm not actually going to edit it out. <laughs> okay. Uh, how many... So, so Lens, just a quick follow-up question on uh -huh. that. Yeah. How many other books does James have that you weren't involved in the marketing process that sold over 10 million copies? None. Interesting. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's hard to put a, a percentage of how much of the book's success was directly related to your awesomeness. But mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, think, I think we can all kind of surmise a general range from, from that answer. Okay. All right. Um, you're up, which... Uh, which question do you want to do you want us to tackle next? Well, somebody did ask if we wanted to do some more trolley problem discussions. Do you want to do some more trolley problem discussions? I mean, if you want to hit me with a couple, you know, we talk about this on our own time fairly frequently, I would say. So, I've thought through most of this. Okay. Um very very confident let's see let's see how long that lasts i mean it's confident because you're not actually in the situation yeah that's true yeah um all right so yeah let, let's just start with with the basic one uh just for anyone in the audience who is unaware of trolley problems to get them up to speed so um there's a trolley going down the tracks you are standing in front of a lever if you pull the lever it will divert uh the trolley from one set of tracks to another set of tracks. The set of tracks the trolley is currently on uh, has five people tied to the tracks. If you don't pull the lever, the trolley will divert. Or if you don't pull the lever, the trolley will keep going straight and run over and kill those five people. If you pull the lever, it will divert it to another track on which one person is tied. Um, so do you pull the lever and uh, and kill the one person to save the five or... Do you uh, draw a categorical distinction between acts of omission and acts of commission? Mm -hmm. So which, which, which way do you go? I mean, I think that we have similar utilitarian philosophies. And so I would say that I would pull the lever. But 
I also know if I was actually in that situation, like, I probably wouldn't. Yeah, I, I'm, eh, I, I disagree with the last part, but, but agree with the sentiment. I, I pulled the lever as well. All, all my homies pulled the lever. <laughs> wow. Um, so, okay, the, the point of follow-up trolley problem questions is to kind of probe the extent of one's utilitarianism. Mm-hmm. Um, so a just kind of like the the one of the classic follow-ups is what if the five people on the track the the trolley is currently on are just kind of like normal everyday people and the person on the other track is some sort of like world-defining genius uh who you know has has already done a bunch of great stuff and if they stay alive who knows how much more great stuff they'll do maybe a lot maybe none Hard to say. Uh, in that case, do you pull the lever? I feel like that's like eugenics adjacent. It certainly is. And so I think my answer remains the same. Mine does as well. Um, but yeah, that that all that that often leads people to say, yeah, I don't know if I pull the lever on that one. Um, okay, uh, another kind of classic follow up is um, to to get at do you kind of rate just the value of lives the same or is the amount of life left relevant? So now the five people on the track are, you know, not, not, they don't already have like terminal diagnoses and they're going to kick the bucket in like two weeks, but they're, they're getting up there. They don't have many good years left. Uh, And the person on the other track is a, perfectly healthy baby a baby a baby or like a, a young child someone who does have uh a, a lot of hopefully bright future ahead of them yeah i think i saved the baby okay yeah maybe maybe i'm ageist maybe i need to examine that internally yeah um yeah th- that one this is probably the one that's tough for me as well um, for for a similar reason. I mean, I don't necessarily know that I would value one year of the life of someone in their 80s more than I'd value like one year of life for someone who's like seven. Right. Um, but, you know, if, if we're talking about like maybe 30 cumulative years left on one track versus 70 on the other. Yeah. That, that's tough, you know, because it's there, there's more years on one side, but there's more people on the other. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I, I I honestly wouldn't feel comfortable either way. Like that that one. <laughs> I, mean, I hope you wouldn't feel comfortable at any point in a trolley problem. Oh, the the, the OG version of the problem. Pull the lever. No fucking question. <laughs> Sleep um, like a baby. Yeah. Uh, hopefully better than saving the baby yeah ho- hopefully better than the baby in in the last right that problem. baby is traumatized absolutely yeah that's you know what maybe maybe you maybe you pull the lever yeah because yeah. it's gonna deal with that trauma for the rest yeah, of its life after being tied to the tracks that's yeah and the old person they might be traumatized too but they don't have that much life left that's and they probably have past trauma it's like just adding on to the the trauma it's probably nothing compared to what they saw in nam so true honestly yeah okay um let's see so yeah here so here's a version that kind of gets it gets at how selfish you are oh great and uh might 
you know, might might uh, present a significant roadblock, not just for this episode, but for our relationship. Oh, wow. All right. I mean, people on a track are a roadblock for a trolley as well. All right. Five randos tied to one track. Sure. I'm tied to the other. Do you pull the lever? I'm saving you. Yes, definitely. That is so sweet. If I'm in that situation. You're not saving me. I absolutely pull the lever. Okay. Uh, If I'm the one on the track, to be clear. You're pulling the lever to kill yourself? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, what if I'm on the track? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, sorry, not sorry to the other schlubs, but. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're getting out of it. Loyalty, alive. loyalty is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, although. Geez, Louise, the just just knowing you, the amount of like survivor guilt you would have after that. Um, well, you too. I think your survivor guilt would be worse. Uh, I mean, I was just talking about how you're the kindest person. Like, I think I would have some survivor guilt, but you're a nicer person than I am. Yeah. If so, okay. D- does this change anything? Uh. Now, now there's input from the peanut gallery. I'm still tied to the track. Oh my the, god! But th- those five people are saying, "Lens, pull the lever," and I'm on the other side saying, "Lens, pull the fucking lever. Come on." Does that does that affect anything? Um, I think I would just get too overwhelmed and I wouldn't be able to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly what would happen. I get too stressed out, and I would just be like, "Nope." No, I'm walking away. Yeah, that's uh, I. Th- I think that's that's a very honest and self-aware answer. <laughs> um, okay. Do you do you think that's enough? Do we want to? I think that's enough. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I think I think that was good. And if people want more trolley problems, like I said last time, follow follow uh, the page Trolley Problem Memes on Facebook. They've got some hot fire on there. Um, did, did I pick that one or did you? Who, whose turn I, is it? I picked that one, but you were kind of leading the discussion. Uh, no, I, I can I can pick the next okay. one. Okay. Uh, Sylvia on Facebook asks or says, "Would love to hear your experiences about. Uh, I would love to hear your experiences transitioning into a tech product person. Probably wasn't something you expected. What are what are your experiences on that front?" Um. I mean, it's been really exciting. Neither of us have ever worked on a product like this. So leading up to the launch of Macro Factor, our app, um, we were both, you know, wondering, is everything that we've learned about how we sell products, about how we interact with customers, is it all going to be different with a tech, with an app? Um, Or, you know, are there things that are pretty transferable? And I think we've found that there are more things that are the same than different, but it is certainly a different experience, like running a business like this. There's just way more shit that can go wrong, and it does go wrong, as we have found out. But it's exciting to have a product that's constantly getting better, and I mean, that's on the part of our 
developers, Corey and Rebecca, who are amazing. Yeah, c- compared to, say, like an ebook. Right. You, you put it out, you do as good of work as you can, but like when you put it out, it, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. And, if- and you can update it, but that's going to be like a multi year process, probably. Whereas, like with an app, like we are releasing new updates, new features multiple times per year. Mm-hmm. And so the product is constantly evolving. You constantly have new things to talk about. On my side, doing the marketing, like we're constantly kind of reassessing our strategy and how we talk about the product and figuring out what people find the most interesting about the product. So it's just a lot more dynamic. Mm -hmm. And that has been really exciting and fun and also very, very stressful. Yeah. Uh, On my side, honestly... Honestly, the changes have been more more a matter of degree rather than a matter of kind. Like I don't think I don't think the stuff I'm doing is all that different from what I was doing before, but there are two big differences. One is in just kind of like general time allocation. Yeah. Um so this is and, and I, I don't necessarily think this is specific to um, the the fact that it's a tech product, I think it's relevant to the fact that like this is just a like like already a like bigger business than what we had before. Yeah, um, bigger than anything we've ever done. Yes, and so there has just been a lot more kind of like logistical administrative tasks and work. Yeah, uh, than before, which is. You know that's that's not necessarily my favorite thing to do. Yeah, I I definitely prefer the content side of things to the kind of like back end business side of things. So there there has been a change in kind of like time allocation where there is just more of that stuff to do now. Um, and on the content side, there has definitely been a shift as well where I'm still making a lot of content, but previously. Um, Previously, I could generally work with the assumption that the content I was making was for kind of a a core audience that has already consumed a lot of my content and knows knows where I'm at on things and also is just kind of like nerdy people. Like, yeah, I, I don't the 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 median fitness content consumer isn't a stronger by science reader. Right. Uh, like if, if you find yourself consistently consuming our content, um, yeah, the, the, the type of stuff you're into is different than the, than the median fitness content consumer. Um, but, and, and so, you know, for like website articles, I'd be like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm writing to nerds. So like I can just leave, leave some things not explicitly stated like there will be kind of a shared set of assumptions and understandings that people yeah that people bring to content um and you know i i can refer more heavily to like things i've written previously that i know a, a pretty good chunk of people will have read um and with macro factor like i i am making a lot of content for it but it's our first product that is like seriously broke containment yeah. where most of the people using the app aren't people who are from kind of the core stronger by science audience. Um, and so it's, it's almost been like returning to my roots where 
I'm writing with the assumption that most of the people reading what I write don't know who I am, don't aren't particularly acquainted with uh, a, a good chunk of Stronger by Science content. So things need to be kind of phrased in more simple language. A lot of things that I could have just left as kind of like unstated assumptions and background information do have to be explicitly laid out. Um, so yeah, it, it, it has definitely changed how I need to approach the content I make. Yeah. But do you like that? Like, do you find that exciting? I find it to be a interesting challenge for now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Like there, there, there are, there are parts of it that are very boring. So like I, I recently like revamped the, the macro factor knowledge base and like a pretty good chunk of that is just kind of like technical writing. Right. Like, Hey, here's how you create a recipe or whatever. Um, the kind of like more informative explanatory content i honestly do i i do really enjoy writing kind of like simpler stuff that is going to be more understandable to a broader audience yeah um and i don't know if that's something that is generally true and will continue to be true forever or if it's just like, hey, I was kind of doing one style of content almost exclusively for a decade, and now here's just something else. But for for the time being, I'm I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, just to just to circle back, not that much has changed. Right. I mean, day to day, I'm doing administrative stuff, I'm doing content stuff, and I'm interacting with the audience. That is still what I'm doing. That is what I've been doing up to this point. But the type of content has changed and the kind of balance of content tasks to administrative tasks has has shifted as well. But yeah, yeah it, it hasn't been like a huge, huge difference. Yeah, I think it makes a difference that like it has it did start as kind of a small pro like a small company kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. like we were bootstrapping this. We didn't get venture capital funding or anything like that, like. We treated it like a regular product that we would have launched mm-hmm. um, instead of it being like a completely different animal. And we started with, you know, just launching to the Stronger by Science audience and then have kind of expanded out from there and are just now kind of getting into the place where we're having to figure out like, okay, what does this actually look like to grow huge way beyond the people that we're used to talking to? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's been... Um... It's definitely been an adjustment, but I, I'd say overall it's been very fun. Oh, definitely. All right. Uh, we have one more kind of normal question, and then we have one pre-selected that we were going to end with. Yes. Um, so the final one from Facebook is, what is your favorite exercise scene in a movie or TV show? Mine is definitely the scene in Mulan where the the make a man out of you song and the training montage it's I, I mean i don't really have that much to say about it other than it's very cool and the song is a banger and when my sisters and i would watch that growing up we'd get all fired up and like pretend to be doing karate and shit on each other and anything that like really fires up a kid is is good oh absolutely that that song that song is one of one of the biggest bops in the disney canon for sure 
Um, mine... It's also a great karaoke song, by the way. Do you want to do it right now? No. Okay. Uh, figured it didn't hurt to ask. Uh, mine, you you gave me shit about this before we started recording. It is probably the most cliched answer to this question. Yes. Um, but it, it's the training montage in Rocky IV. Um, it's, I mean, it's a classic uh, favorite training montage in cinema for a reason. It's great. The the song is excellent. Hearts on Fire really really gets me going. Um, no, I mean it's it's a it's like what the Mulan song did to me. It's like it makes you want to get up and start punching things. Yeah, it's it's a great eighties jam. Um, the training montage itself is sick. Just so many cool shots. Him him running up uh, that hill. No, Stairs. that's that's a uh, Kate Bush. Yeah, yeah, that that's a different media franchise. Um, but that no, would have been a great song for that scene, though. When he's like running along the mountain crest. Oh, okay. So I cool have shot. never actually seen that movie. All I know is that he runs up those stairs in Philadelphia. That is Rocky One. Oh my God! Yeah. So I'm not even thinking of the right thing. Yeah. So every I think every Rocky movie has a training montage. That makes sense. Um, yeah, and and the two most iconic shots are him like running up the stairs in in Philadelphia in Rocky One. And just the entire Rocky Four training montage, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so running along the kind of snow-capped uh, mountain range, very cool. Yeah, Lord of um, the Rings vibes. Yeah, he he's doing some resistance training with uh, just like a a just detached trailer that I think he what? loads up with wood. That's also very cool. Um, he's kind of like training in a barn. And so he he's doing like fully upside down sit ups, which I thought were just just incredible at the time. I also did you try to do it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Did, I, it, did it work? Yeah, it's it's not as hard as it looks. Like oh, it would okay. Be. Uh, but it it looks very cool for the camera. Yeah. Um, and then if memory serves, Rocky Four is also the training montage where he does um like really really strict dragon flags oh my gosh yeah Um, those are very impressive yeah very cool so yeah it's it's got to be the training montage in rocky four also in in honorable mention in the rocky franchise which goes under discussed is so like everyone knows rocky one through four are are excellent movies rocky five not so much it kind of kind of seemed like it killed the franchise and then, oh, I don't know, maybe like 2012 or so, they tried to reboot it with Rocky Balboa, uh, the the last Rocky film where Stallone himself is is the main character, um, which wasn't as bad as Rocky V, certainly wasn't as good as the first four, um, didn't do well enough to justify more Stallone Rocky movies, which is why then they diverted and said, hey, let's let's go the Creed route. Um so yeah, that the Rocky Balboa is a relatively forgettable film for the most part, but it also has a great training montage. Um, and I I think I say that as a powerlifter because kind of the whole the whole thing of that training montage is uh, Rocky Balboa himself is older, so he doesn't have the endurance he once did. Uh, he's not as fast as he once as he once was. Mm-hmm. Um, by every conceivable metric, the fight that he's about to go into, he should get his ass kicked because he's fighting a young, hungry, skilled heavyweight boxer um, that should just wipe the floor with him. And so 
his whole strategy going into the fight is, well, at least I have the puncher's chance. Like, if I can throw just nasty enough punches, <laughs> he can be a better boxer. He can have better lungs than me. He can move around better than me. But as long as I have that one punch power, I just need to clip him with one just right, and I can win. Which That is very powerlifting adjacent. Yeah, yeah. It's, just like, but what do you squat? It, it's awesome. Yeah. So, so yeah, the, the whole training montage... Uh, it, I think I think the line that kicks it off is uh, you've got to throw hurting bombs, oh and then my God. and then immediately it cuts to him like squatting five hundred pounds and just like doing a bunch of heavyweight training. Um, so yeah, I I also really enjoy the training montage in in Rocky Balboa. You know, maybe you've convinced me to watch these movies. Uh, you know, so I mean, honestly, no. No, like th- this. This is my recommendation to both you and the audience. Okay, I haven't seen the Creed films. I've he- I've heard they're good. Yeah, um, I do. Yeah, I want to watch those. We should watch the first four Rocky films. Okay, we can skip Rocky Five. Okay. It's not good. We can find the training montage from Rocky Balboa on YouTube. We don't need to watch that whole movie. Sounds good. But yeah, then and then we can go into the Creed films. I I think I think that would be good. It's a plan. Sick. All right, our final question. Yeah, I can read this one out. Yeah, go for it. So this Reddit username is Hot Tomato Souse sixty nine. Nice, nice, hell yeah. And the question is, if you could have one animal as a sidekick that could communicate fluently with you and would help you with anything you ask, which animal would you pick? And then there's a parenthetical: they live as long as you do and share your level of intelligence. Yeah, so I I wonder if the person who asked this question um, watched uh, his Dark Materials. Yes, or that's immediately what came to mind for yeah, me. Yeah, or, or or read those books. Yeah, because yeah, th- this sounds like the the demons in in those stories. Um, but yeah, I I would probably go for an animal that could like fully exploit. Uh, some sort of like movement option that I don't have access to, which, mm-hmm. god damn it, now I'm just making it sound like a video game. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I I can't fly, I can't uh, hold my breath underwater for like a super long time, and I can't fit into tight spaces. Um, I mean, there, there's a finite amount of space tightness that I can that I can deal with. Yeah. I you know I, I have a particular volume. You certainly um, do. So yeah, just right away, I either want something that flies, uh, an aquatic creature, or something that can that that's much smaller than me yeah. and can fit into really tight spaces. And I think I would probably go with. I think I would probably go with some sort of relatively small bird. Um, I was thinking maybe a bat, but they don't they don't have great vision, and I think like for being able to go up in the air like that that would be good for just like getting the lay of the land right um and you know like bats are small they can go in tight spaces but like a a small bird could as well how Um, small because like aren't crows and ravens very smart like they can remember people's faces and stuff too well this question presupposes that whatever we choose shares our level of intelligence um yeah I, i mean if if this if that stipulation wasn't there, yeah. um, like a like a raven would be pretty high up on the list, honestly. Um, but I, I'd probably go with some sort of primate uh, were, were that stipulation uh, not there. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I'd probably go with a small bird, I think. 
Um, although, because I, I don't spend that much time around water or get into that many aquatic hijinks. If I but did, you could if you had an animal friend. I mean, I can't breathe underwater still, you know? Yeah, that's not going to happen um, for you. Yeah, so my my number two would probably be an octopus because mm-hmm. they they have the aquatic thing and the fitting into tight spaces right. thing. Uh, but yeah, I I pro- I'd probably go with a small bird of some sort. How about you? So this might be a cheating answer because I'm going to talk about something that's not real. So we recently played a Pokemon game <laughs> in which one of your Pokemon that you get very early on in the game is basically an all-terrain vehicle. And the Pokemon can, you can ride it like a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. It can climb up cliffs. Mm-hmm. It can fly. And it turns into like a speedboat on the water. And it can jump really high. And it can jump really high. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I'm choosing. All right. Sure. Um, so let me uh, let, let me let me hit you with an option here. Okay. Um, it's not it's not going to get you the flight, but I think it might be able to serve your your needs for the other ones, and also relates to his dark materials. What about a polar bear? That was my first thought, okay. honestly. Yeah. Like when I read this question, I immediately thought of his dark materials, and then I immediately thought of the really cool polar bear. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, just having like a war bear that's really smart and that you can communicate with. That would be dope. Awesome. Absolutely. Um, I also think, I don't know. So th- this so th- this says like th- the animal would share your level of intelligence, but it doesn't say that it would have like the exact same type of intelligence. Right. Um, just the same general level. And so I wonder if... I wonder if it would make sense to choose an animal that would have like very specific insights that if you scaled up that type of animal's level of intelligence to like human level would be like super sick. So for instance Or like an ant that can like communicate with a whole yeah, like host a, like, of other ants. Yeah. So uh I, I was thinking like ants or like bees or something. Yeah, bees, which, yeah. Which might understand like complex social interaction on a level that like humans wouldn't have the same sort of innate feel for or um like a like a cat maybe which um just like yeah like most most animals but like specifically felines just just have like such a ridiculous innate kinesthetic sense like they they might kind of just understand the spatial world around us so much better than I would that you know there there even if we had the same general level of intelligence there would still be kind of like unique insights of that animal's type of intelligence that that I wouldn't be able to to come to on my own um you are allergic to cats though that could be an issue yeah but I'm so uh uh several people asked just kind of like allergy related questions um and it's worth noting, I'm currently getting allergy shots. Uh, this is this has been, I think, like objectively in terms of like pollen counts, a very rough allergy season. And I'm not that far into my allergy shots yet, but it's it's been notably better than prior years for me. So I don't yet feel confident exposing myself to a cat in 
in kind of a, a long duration type of deal right. in a sidekick situation yeah yeah but um yeah i mean give it give it another year or two you never know you never know sounds good all right um well let's let's wrap it up there uh thanks everyone for listening um like i said at the top of the show we will be back with regular episodes coming out more consistently relatively soon uh aiming for the next two to four weeks and uh we will keep you posted on that front uh thanks again for listening hope you enjoyed it and uh talk to you again soon bye